Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast. The podcast where we do things the Hemingway. We're talking about War and Peace, Book 3, Chapter 1. We are back in society. We're back with Pierre, which is cool. I like Pierre. I like spending time with Pierre. Um, oh, I don't have the right... I'm looking at the discussion from a year ago. Wouldn't that be weird if I just read last year's discussion? Uh, okay, where am I? Here we go. What do you think about Prince Vasily's actions? Do you think he considers himself a plotter, or perhaps more of a practical man who is doing what needs to be done? It's mentioned there was a scandal about Helena and her brother, what the F, and do you see this marriage as a potentially good or bad thing for Pierre? Um... I feel bad for Pierre that the, everyone's just sort of come up with the idea that he needs to marry Helena. He sort of doesn't even have a say in it. They're just kind of pushing him together. And Pierre just doesn't have the spine, does he, to to say no. Um, Vasily. Is Vasily a plotter or a practical man doing what needs to be done? I think, um, I think his plotting and his scheming is just so habitual I think he's been doing it for you know 40 years or however, however long um, that he doesn't think it through it even says this in the chapter you know he doesn't he doesn't actually sit there and plan these things he just does it by instinct but he is very much scheming he's just not doing the planning part of the scheming it's like he's so good at scheming that he just does it naturally Isaria says this chapter was distinct Disturbing, disturbingly fabulous. It was fascinating to get Vasily's perspective first, and it made so much sense. I really don't think he sees himself as a schemer at all, and yet he most certainly is. And then to see how Pierre was promptly steamrolled by the perfusion and flattery and the overwhelming nature of his new status, while in theory it would be potentially a good move to marry Vasily's daughter to ensure that the man doesn't bleed Pierre dry their financial interests would be in better alignment. I think the potential for disaster is quite a bit higher. Don't do it, Pierre. Ripster66 says Prince Vasily isn't fully conscious of his scheming. He's just doing what needs to be done in the world of the privileged. He makes good use of the adage, who you know is more important than what you know. In his mind, he's helping Pierre. That it should be advantageous to him is just coincidental byproduct. Watching him manipulate Pierre and siphon off money is agonizing like a slow-motion car wreck. I think that we haven't really gone over this yet <clears throat> about how rich Pierre is. So uh, Vasily takes, what was it, 30,000 rubles or something off him? I can't remember what it was. And he's been sort of slicing and dicing little bits of money off here and there. But um, Pierre is like so rich like one of the richest people in Russia rich um, so he's fine he's so rich that like even if Vasily took all of his money it wouldn't matter because he's got so much land that he the money is in the fact that he's got you know hundreds of thousands of uh, servants I don't know if that's accurate thousands maybe but <clears throat> um <clears throat> Serfs, I guess they're called. Uh, so he's going to be fine, really. 
Rick Evans says, back into the snake pit with this chapter. After some time on the battlefield, it was fascinating to return to Anna Pavlovna's salon and the scheming world of society. It feels different this time now that we know so much more of the characters and have seen illusions of grandeur shattered in the front line. All the social posturing feels even more hollow and tasteless. That Pierre suddenly finds himself surrounded by friends, but is too naive or powerless to take control of the situation is a sad state of affairs. Guanardo says, absolutely, I felt like I had a new appreciation for Andre and his impatience of high society. It was jarring just to read about parties and matchmaking after the excitement of the war chapters. Little Sebastian says, poor Pierre, I think the only person that would stick up for him against everyone else making his decisions is Prince Andre. He'd at least try to talk him out of this sham wedding. I want to know what Vasily needs 40,000 rubles for. That's a good chunk of Pierre's fortune. And what is Prince Anna slash other Anna up to these days? Sorry, Princess Anna. <clears throat> well, yeah, I think 40,000 is a, a lot of money, 40,000 rubles. But it's, it's, a, it's a small fraction of Pierre's fortune. It is literally unnoticeable to him. We, in previous years on A Year of War and Peace, we've kind of gone into just how vast is his fortune. And I can't remember the comparisons with today's numbers or anything like that. But it was basically <clears throat> basically like he's got forever money. And he's one of the richest people in his whole country, including, you know, the emperor and, and all those. The real Locuro said, I didn't know how to interpret Vasily keeping the payment from Ryazan. He casually mentions that he's keeping it because Pierre doesn't need it, misrepresenting it as a small amount, but it was several thousand rubles. Isn't that stealing? I think that crosses a clear line. That's something my little brother would tell me to keep the pocket change from McDonald's. He's taking a small fortune. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice for some reason, uh, which is annoying. Vasily might deserve compensation for housing and acting as Pierre's advisor, but that should be discussed openly. Well, he reckons that Pierre's father owed him money when he died, and that's what he was taking. Uh, is that true? Well, who knows? But um, that's the angle he's gone with. It might be true. We don't know. There's a difference between trying to orchestrate a marriage and that. Much larger transactions transpire over this time period. I doubt Pierre's best interests were always upheld. Anna Pavlovna encourages Pierre to keep living with Vasily. I think Pavlovna wants to keep Pierre under the influence of Vasily. He's so trusting of him already, it won't be hard. I'll go out on a limb, says the real Locuro. Maybe she would be a good match. Pierre is intelligent, well-read, but she's very weak soci he's very weak socially. Helena's strong point is her tact and can cover for him, maybe, maybe even polish him over time. Remember, Pierre is ambitious... He's trying to get somewhere in the diplomatic core. I'd imagine socializing to be very important. The perfect high society girl might be his match. This is the gentry of the 1800s, so I think love is less important in romance, and people try to be more practical. But who knows? They've barely interacted with each other, so there might be chemistry. Acoustic Girl says, Seeing Pierre get manipulated by people makes me uncomfortable because, among other reasons, I feel like I would be much the same in that situation. I wouldn't know what to do if I came into a ton of money and didn't have someone to look out for me and my interests. I worry that I would fall prey to manipulation easily. Well, I'll tell you, the upcoming 
chapter, <clears throat> guys, <laughs> on that note, if you, can't, if you find it uncomfortable to see Pierre be manipulated, then you're going to hate this upcoming chapter because um, it's a doozy. Uh, it's a long chapter too. I only finished translating it today. I think I started it three days ago or four days ago. And um, so I only finished translating today's chapter today. And that means I've got to translate a whole chapter per day as we continue. And I just don't see it being possible because the chapters, it, this little chunk of the book, the last few chapters of book two, the first few chapters of book three, they're just long. They're long. They're like triple chapters in each chapter. And that's why it's taken me three days to do it because, well, because they're three times as long as the normal chapter. Uh, legitimately, like a, a standard chapter in War and Peace is two or three pages and these ones are five or six. Ah, excuses, excuses, hey? Order from Chaos says, After the war chapters in the last book, my impression reading this first chapter is that this is a desperate struggle to of a different kind. Very cool. Alright, it is a long chapter, tonight's one, even longer than yesterday's one. So, even though there's lots of comments about, um, about today's chapter, about chapter one, I think we're going to move on and keep reading, just so that podcast doesn't go forever and so my voice doesn't fail me halfway through it all right now all i have to do is find my place in the world all right chapter two here we go in november 1805 prince Vasily had gone on a tour to inspect places in four different provinces he had arranged this for himself so he could visit his neglected estates at the same time and pick up his son Anatole, where his regiment was stationed, and take him to visit Prince Nicholas Bolkonsky, hoping to arrange a match for him with Mary, the daughter of that rich old man. But, <clears throat> uh, but before he left home to do these things, sorry, I'm just editing as I go, Prince Vasily had to settle a few things with Pierre, who, truth be told, had recently spent days on end at home, that is to say, in Prince Vasily's house, where he was staying. And where he was staying, oh god, there's so many typos, and being a drooling, weird idiot whenever Helena was present, as a lover should be, but hadn't popped the question to her yet. This is all very well and good, but we've got to settle this, said Prince Vasily to himself, with a sorrowful sigh, one morning, feeling that Pierre, who was under his thumb, but never mind that, was not behaving very well in this matter. He is young, dumb, and, God help him, thought he, relishing his own kind-heartedness, but we've got to make a move eventually. The day after tomorrow will be Layla's name day. I'll invite two or three Layla... Lalia is Helena's nickname, by the way. Pet name. <clears throat> Pet name. The day after tomorrow will be Lelia's name day. I'll invite two or three people, and if he doesn't figure out what he's meant to do, then it'll be my fault. Yep, mine. I'm her father. Father. Six weeks after Anna Pavlovna's at home, and after the sleepless night during which he decided that marrying Helena would be a disaster, and that he should ghost her and disappear... Pierre, despite that decision, hadn't yet left Prince Vasilis and felt more and more every day like people had connected him with Helena. That it wasn't possible to think of her how he used to, 
that he could not break away from her, and that even though it would suck massively, he was going to have to have her in his life. He might have been able to keep his distance too if it weren't for Prince Vasily, who in the past almost never threw parties, but now had an evening party just about every day and insisted that Pierre must be there or else the whole party would be ruined and he'd disappoint everyone. Prince Vasily, in the rare instances he was home, would take Pierre's hand in passing and draw it downwards as he did or absentmindedly hold his wrinkly old cheek for Pierre to kiss and would say, see you tomorrow or come to dinner or else I won't see you or I'll hang around to give you a hand and stuff like that. And though Prince Vasily, when he stayed in for Pierre's sake, and though Prince Vasily, when he stayed in for Pierre's sake, according to him, hardly spoke to him, Pierre felt pressure not to disappoint him. Every day he said to himself one thing, It's time I got to know her and made up my mind what I reckon of her. Was I wrong before, or am I wrong now? No, she's not an idiot, she's a great Sheila, he sometimes said to himself. She never makes a dick of herself, never says anything dumb. She doesn't say much at all, but what she does say is always plain and simple. So she's not an idiot. She's never embarrassed herself, and she's not embarrassed now, so she can't be a bad Sheila. He had often started thinking these things, sometimes out loud, in her company, and she had always answered him either by a brief but appropriate comment, showing that she wasn't all that interested, or by a silent look and a smile which made Pierre feel, more than anything else, that she was the one wearing the pants. She was right to consider all arguments nullified when compared with that smile. She always spoke to him with a radiant secret smile, a smile just for him alone, which seemed a somehow more meaningful smile than the one she wore generally. Pierre knew that everyone was waiting for him to take the plunge, and he knew that sooner or later he would but an unexplainable terror gripped him at the thought of crossing that line. There were a thousand times during that month and a half, while he felt himself getting closer and closer to that dreadful abyss, that Pierre said to himself, What the hell am I doing? I need to make a decision. I have no idea. He wanted to make up his mind, but didn't feel like he was thinking straight. He didn't quite have control of his own will like he usually did. Pierre was one of those guys who was only strong when they feel Pierre was one of those guys who are only strong when they feel in the right but when they're on the back foot not so much since that day when he was overwhelmed with horniness while looking at the snuff box at Anna Pavlovna's and he was now paralyzed since that day when he was overwhelmed with horniness while looking at the snuff box at Anna Pavlovna's, he was now paralyzed by a subconscious. I've written that wrong. He'd been paralyzed. Okay. Since that day when he was overwhelmed with horniness while looking at the snuff box at Anna Pavlovna's, he'd been paralyzed by a subconscious guilt because of that horniness. On Helena's name day, a small party, just our people, as Vasily's wife put it, met for supper at the Vasily house. All these close friends and relatives had been led to believe that the fate of young Helena was going to be decided that night. The guests all took their seats for supper. Princess Kuragina 
a chunky and imposing woman who had once been good-looking, was sitting at the head of the table. On either side of her sat the more important guests, an old general and his wife, and Anna Pavlovna Chereau. Up the other end were the younger and less important people, and that's where Pierre and Helena sat, as members of the household, side by side. Just making a comment there for something. Side by side. Prince Vasily wasn't eating. He was going round the table and sitting with now one, now another of the guests. What is happening? Nope. Editing. Okay. He was going around the table and sitting with now one, now another of the guests. To each guest he made mindless chit-chat, except with Pierre and Helena, who were apparently invisible to him. He was the life of the party. The wax candles burned real bright, the silver and crystal shone, so did the ladies' fancy gowns. and the gold and silver epaulettes of the men's shoulders. Servants in their deep red liveries moved around the table. The plates clattered. Knives clattered. Oh, God, there's so many typos. Knives and glasses clattered, the sounds mingling with the buzz of conversations. At one end of the table, an old chamberlain was loudly assuring an old baroness that he loved her dearly, which made her laugh. At the other end, there was a story going on about the misfortunes of a Mary Victorovna or something. Prince Vasily grabbed everyone's attention for a moment at the centre of the table. With a cheeky, cheeky smile that was very out of place in such a topic, he was telling the ladies about the meeting of the Imperial Council last Wednesday, at which Sergei Kuzmich Vyazmitinov, the new military governor-general of Petersburg, had received and read the famous at the time at least, rescript of the Emperor Alexander from the army to Sergei Kuzmich. In the rescript, the Emperor said that he was receiving lots of support and loyalty from everywhere, and that he was pleased with Petersburg's loyalty in particular, and that he was proud to be the leader of Russia, and would try to prove his worthiness. The rescript started with the words, Sergei Kuzmich, reports are coming in from everywhere, etc., Wait, and so he never read any further than the intro? asked one of the ladies. Exactly, not a syllable further, answered Prince Vasily, laughing. Sergei Kuzmich, reports are coming in, reports are coming in. Sergei Kuzmich, the poor old bugger, couldn't read any more. He started reading it over and over, but as soon as he uttered Sergei, he burst into tears. Ku wa zu wa mi wa ch like a big fat baby, wah wah, bawling, and when he said reports are coming in, he was drooling from sobbing so much, and that was as far as he could get. And again he got his hanky, and again, Sergei, wah, Kuzmich, wah, reports are coming, wah, and the tears, ha, huh, eventually they just got someone else to read it. Kuzmich, wah, reports are coming, wah, someone repeated, laughing. Don't be nasty, cried Anna Pavlovna from her end of the table wagging a finger, threatening. He's a beautiful, excellent man, our dear old Vyazmitinov. Everybody pissed themselves laughing. At the head of the table, where the more honourable guests were, everyone seemed to be high on life, 
and under the influence of all the buzz going on. Only Pierre and Helena were silent, sitting side by side near the arse end of the table with suppressed smiles brightening their faces, smiles that had nothing to do with Sergei Kuzmich's sookfest. They were coy smiles of embarrassment at their own feelings, but as funny as it was to everyone else, and as much as they talked and joked and enjoyed their wine and sauté and ice cream, and however much they avoided looking at the young couple, as much as they seemed to not give a shit about them, you could still feel it by their occasional sneaky glances at them during the Sergei story, and while they died laughing, and even the whole meal itself, it was all a bullshit facade. All any of them gave a shit about that night was Pierre and Helena. They were trying and failing to hide the truth. They were obsessed with what Pierre might do. Prince Vasily mimicked the sookfest of Sergei Kuzmich, and at the same time, his eyes flicked towards his daughter. And while he laughed, the expression on his face was a clear one. Yes, we're getting there. It'll be a done deal soon. Anna Pavlovna jumped in to stand up for poor old Vyazmitinov, but while she did so, her eyes flicked to Pierre, then to Prince Vasily, conveying congratulations on the new son-in-law and your daughter's happiness. The old Princess Kuragina, Vasily's wife, gave a sad sigh as she offered some wine to the old lady next to her and glanced angrily at her daughter, and her sigh seemed to say, Oh well. That's it for us old bags. Nothing left for us to do but sip wine, my dear, now that all the happiness is being hogged up by these young whippersnappers. And a diplomatist, though, thought, sorry, and a diplomatist thought, what shit we are talking, while he looked at the young happy lovers. That is happiness. Into the superficial bullshit interests that united this group entered a simple feeling of a nice young man and a nice young woman woman having the hots for each other. And this very human feeling trumped all others, soaring above all the nonsense chatter. Jokes fell flat, gossip lost its glimmer, and the enthusiasm about any other topic was clearly being forced. Not only the guests were feeling this, even the footmen who waited the table seemed to and forgot their duties to gawk at the beautiful Helena with her radiant face and at the big, fat, happy and slightly uneasy, uneasy face of Pierre. It seemed as if even the light of the candles only cared to light up those two happy faces. Pierre felt like he was the centre of all this, which he liked, but it also made him feel embarrassed. He was like a man who is entirely absorbed in something. He didn't see, hear or understand anything clearly. Only now and then did he get a rogue little snippet of a thought that made sense, a little flash of reality. So this is it, he thought. How the fuck has this happened? How did it happen so fast? Now I know for sure that not because of her or me, but because of everyone, it is inevitable. They're all expecting it. They're all so sure that it will happen, that I can't, I can't disappoint them. But how do I do it? Fuck knows, but it's gonna happen thought Pierre, glancing at those gorgeous shoulders right near his face. Or he would suddenly feel ashamed of something. He wasn't sure what exactly. He felt it was awkward to always have everyone's attention and for them all to think he was a lucky man. With his normal boring face, like a Paris possessed of a Helen. But for sure that's just the way it is. How did this come about? 
I came here from Moscow with Prince Vasily. Then that was it. So why shouldn't I stay at his place? Then I played cards with her and picked up her reticule that time and drove with her. How did this all come about? And here he was, sitting beside her, beside her as if they were already engaged, seeing, hearing, feeling how close she was and her breathing, her movements, her beauty. Then it would flip in his mind at as it wasn't her oh. then it would flip in his mind as if it wasn't her that was the unusually sexy one then sorry start again then it would flip in his mind as if it wasn't her that the, was the unusually sexy one but him and he'd think that that was why they were all gawking in their direction and he'd puff up his chest, flattered to be admired, and raise his head and relish in his good fortune. Suddenly he heard a familiar voice repeating something to him for a second time, but Pierre was so absorbed that he didn't hear what was said. Oi, I asked you when you last heard from Bolkonsky, repeated Prince Vasily for a third time. You're off with the bloody fairies, mate. Prince Vasily smiled, and Pierre noticed that everyone was smiling at him and Helena. And so what if I am? Everyone knows it, thought Pierre. So what? It's true, I'm in another world. And he smiled, his naive childlike smile, and Helena smiled too. When did the letter come? Was it from Olmutz? repeated the prince, who pretended he cared, but really just wanted to settle a dispute. How can you even think of such boring shite? thought Pierre. Yep, from Olmutz, he answered with a sigh. <clears throat> After supper, Pierre led his lady into the drawing room with the others. The guests started to leave, some without even saying see ya to Helena. Some came over and did a quick gotta go, refusing to let Helena see them off, as if they didn't want to distract her from her important business. The diplomatist was sooky and quiet as he left the drawing room. He was comparing his boring and futile diplomatic career with Pierre's happiness. The old general cracked it at his wife when she asked how his leg was. Ah, oh, you silly old bag, he thought. That Princess Helena will still be beautiful even when she's fifty. Seems congratulations are in order, whispered Anna Pavlovna to Helena's mum, kissing her warmly. If I didn't have such a shocker of a headache, I'd stick around longer. The old princess did not reply. She was too busy being bitterly jealous of her daughter's happiness. While the guests were leaving, Pierre stayed alone with Helena for ages in the little drawing room where they were sitting. He'd often, during that la he'd often, during the last six weeks, been alone with her, but had never brought up the topic of love. Now he felt that it was inevitable, but couldn't find the nerve to take that final step. He felt ashamed. He felt like he was taking someone else's place here beside Helena. You don't deserve this happiness, some inner voice whispered to him. This happiness is for someone who doesn't have that thing you have inside you. But he had to say something, so he started by asking her how she liked the party. She replied in her usual, simple way, saying that this name day of hers had been one of the nicest she'd had. Some of the nearest relatives hadn't left yet. They were sitting in the large drawing room. Prince Vasily walked lazily over to Pierre. Pierre stood and said it was getting late. Prince Vasily gave him a stern look, a what-the-fuck-are-you-on-about look, as if Pierre's words were so moronic he couldn't comprehend them. 
but that severe look quickly changed and he took Pierre's hand and pulled it, pulled it downwards, made him sit again and smiled affectionately. Well, Lelia, he asked, turning now to his daughter and addressing her in a very tender, parental tone, the type of tone that comes naturally to parents who have doted on their kids since birth, though in Prince Vasily's case it was a tone he had acquired by observing good parents and mimicking them. He turned back to Pierre. Sergei, where, Kuzmich, report, where, are coming in, where, he said, unbuttoning the top of his waistcoat. Pierre smiled, and in his smile it was apparent that he knew Prince Vasily wasn't interested in Sergei Kuzmich just then, and Prince Vasily saw that Pierre knew this. He suddenly mumbled something and went away. Pierre got the impression that even the prince wasn't sure what was going on. The look of confusion on that worldly old man struck Pierre. He looked at Helena, and she looked confused too. Her face seemed to say, well, this is your fault, mate. I've got to take the plunge, I've got to, but I can't, I can't, thought Pierre. And yet again he started talking unrelated small talk about Sergei Kuzmich, asking what the point of that story was, as he'd missed it. Asking what was the, was the point of that story, as he'd missed it. Helena smiled and said that she didn't get it either. When Prince Vasily went back into the drawing room, the princess, his wife, was talking quietly to the elderly lady about Pierre. Of course it is a really good match, but happiness, my dear. Marriages are made in heaven, replied the older lady. Prince Vasily passed by, seeming not to hear them, and sat down on a sofa in the far corner of the room. He closed his eyes and seemed to be nodding off. His head drooped forward. Then he jolted himself awake. Aline, he said to his wife, go see what they're up to. The princess went up to the door, passed by it all dignified as if minding her own business, and glanced into the little drawing room. Pierre and Helena were still just sitting there talking as they were earlier. Still the same, she said to her husband. Prince Vasily rolled his eyes. His mouth twisted and his cheeks twitched and his face went real weird for a sec. He shook himself, got up, threw his back. <laughs> threw his head back and marched past the ladies and back to the little drawing room. He put on a big smile and zipped over to Pierre. His face was so insanely triumphant that Pierre stood up to meet him out of sheer panic. Thank God, said Prince Vasily. My wife's told me everything. He put one arm around Pierre's shoulder and the other around his daughter. My boy, Lalia, I'm so happy for you. His voice trembled. I loved your father, and my daughter will make a good wife. Well done, you two. He embraced his daughter, then Pierre again, and then kissed him with his dank, gross mouth. Tears were actually falling down his cheeks. Princess, come here, love, he called. The old princess came in and went all weepy, too. The elderly lady followed, dabbing herself with a hanky. Pierre was kissed, and he kissed the beautiful Helena's hand several times. After heaps of this noise, they were eventually left alone again. That's the way it's got to be, thought Pierre. This has to be done, so there's no point asking if it's good or bad. It's good, because it's done now, and there's no more being racked with doubt about it. It's done. Pierre held the hand of his fiancée in silence, looking at her insane titties as they rose and fell. Helena, he splurted out. 
say something special, you idiot, he thought to himself, knowing that that's what a normal person would do at such a time. He was stumped. He looked at her face. She came closer. Her face went red. Oh, take those fucking things off, those, she said, pointing at his specs. Pierre took them off, and his eyes, aside from the weird look eyes have right after being de-specked, were also full of fear and doubt. He was about to swoop down over her hand and kiss it, but with a rapid, almost brutal movement she zipped her head down and met his lips with her own. Pierre noticed her expression, how unpleasant her face looked in all its excitement. Too late now, it's locked in. Besides, I love her, thought Pierre. Je vous aime, he mumbled. I love you. Finally remembering what a normal person would say at such a moment, but his words were so piss-weak that he felt ashamed of himself. Six weeks later he was married and settled in the gigantic Count Bezigov Petersburg house, all newly furnished and done up. He was now the proud possessor of a wife who, as people said, was a celebrated beauty and a gigantic mega-fortune. Alright, there we go. There's chapter two for you. A doozy. Poor old Pierre. He didn't even get the... the... the, the, the honour, I guess, of actually popping the question. He just swooped in and declared it so feel bad for the guy all right guys have your say about that one over at the subreddit thank you very much for listening and i will see you tomorrow